0: Welcome back to another episode of CCW Insider, where you hear about the matches and stories from wrestling's last territory, Coastal Championship Wrestling. I'm Ryan Joy and I run MinutesToBelletime.com, a website database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. In episode number five, I'm talking with CCW International Champion, Chase Stevens. We talk about Chase's athletic background, winning the Golden Gloves, working at TNA from the very beginning, and his longevity in wrestling. Chase talks about getting four days of training before heading out on an eight-month tour, and he dishes out some advice for young wrestlers that are trying to establish themselves. This is a great interview with Chase Stevens, and it's coming at you right now. I'm talking with CCW International Champion Chase Stevens Uh, Chase won the international title last August at CCW Music City Fight Night in Nashville. He has defended the title against Miami Mike and Alex Ocean, and most recently, Damian Wayne, just a couple of days ago at CCW Game On in Nashville. Chase, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with us today.
1: Hey, hey, thanks for having me, man. Privileged.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Before we even get into all the wrestling and stuff that we're going to talk about, you got a pretty awesome uh, background there. A
1: couple of swords and stuff. I want to ask you, you know, oh, what's going man. on there? I'm a, I'm a barbarian, man. Just I'm barbaric. They come, you know, like uh, if you if you walk around my house, I got knights and shining armor and axes and everything else hanging on the wall. You just have to get the two long swords behind me and the shield. But uh, I got three doors. So if anybody ever comes in trying to rob me and I can't get to a gun fast enough, you know, they're getting axed with something. You know, so uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody trying to rob my house
0: anytime soon. No, I was just not. so. <laughs> I got a title to defend over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, like I was, I was saying in the uh, in the intro, you won a tournament. Uh, you defeated five men to win the vacant CCW International Championship. What does it mean for Chase Stevens to hold that championship and be such a big part of CCW's Nashville uh, production? Well, you know, the fact of going through five men was, uh, was a feat in itself, you know,
1: but uh, we accomplished it. And then I got the bullseye put on my back as soon as that happened. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a little process ever since, you know, uh, going through the ranks, trying to, trying to keep, you know, keep afloat as a, as a champion's hard enough, you know, well, i staying a CCW champion, you know, sure. um, it's not the only title I've ever held, you know, I've held multiple titles. Uh, this just happens to be the, the number one that I have going right now. And I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon, you know, uh, they say uh I got a little bit of you know, like a lot of, a lot of the people I've been up against here lately has, uh been a little bit younger than me, outside of Damian Wayne. He's like he's in his eighties, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, other than that, um everybody else has been a little bit younger and and they were they were good competitors. They just uh, you know, they got a I got a little bit of time on them, a little bit of experience and they had a they have a little bit. A little bit to go before they can carry a heavyweight title. Actually, I got it right here with me. Oh. So, uh, you know, uh, to hold yeah. one of these, you know, ten pounds of gold, you got to be, you got to actually be a heavyweight. And uh, a lot of these, a lot of these guys I've been up against, uh, they're borderline heavyweight. They ain't quite there yet. So, give them a good five, ten years, and maybe they can come back and, you know, try to defeat me one more time.
0: All right. Well, I want to, I want to go back and and talk about your early days as an athlete. You know, a lot of wrestlers, you talk to them and, uh, or, you know, you, you see like documentaries or whatever. It seems like they all were football players and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you have that in your background, but uh, I do a little bit of research you do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just talk about your earlier days as an athlete. And I, I know there's some boxing in there too.
1: And there is, um, man, there's, there's very few sports I haven't played. Um, I was Big, uh, big into sports all through elementary school, and high, middle school, high school. Um, went in the military. Uh, but but started when I was eight years old. I, I got into boxing when I was eight. Uh, boxed all the way through. Um, played baseball through elementary school. Played football through elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, boxing all the way through all that as well. So, uh, so I would do the after school activities of of a sport and then afterwards i would I, uh boxing would start after that so so i you know as a young kid you know in kindergarten all the way through my senior year it was uh double practices a day you know because uh you know I, I either played baseball i played football i played track uh and i wrestled amateur style so so there's something going on you know for every season and then boxing come uh, it was a little bit later classes, so I, I was always in those late classes of uh, the So I've always been in sports and, and always, you know, had a foot in the door. I was going to do something in life that had to do with some kind of sport. I just didn't know what it was as a little kid, you know, coming up.
0: I heard you say just now that you were into boxing since you were eight years old. And it just pops it's into fun. my head. The question pops into my head how does an eight-year-old kid train to punch another man in the face like how is that he, he gets punched in the face a bunch of times and figures it out. <laughs> so that's what happens
1: yeah um, so that's many many punches to the face when you start at eight years old so, I guess so. yeah
0: um so so in boxing I, I talk about the success that you had in boxing because you, you talked about how long you were you were you were actually competing, you know, competing and training and stuff. Talk about some of the success that you had.
1: Yeah. The, so I, I, I won golden gloves. Uh, I think it had been 93, 94, 95 and 96. Um, I didn't compete in 97. I just, uh, I was helping train and things like that. And I didn't, uh, I didn't end up uh, uh, putting in the application and, and doing everything I needed to do at that point in time. Uh, and and I was playing like I said like I was a senior at that in '97 and I was I was playing a bunch of different sports and it just er, everything was getting piled up and I couldn't keep keep you know straight on everything I couldn't couldn't make it to all my competitions like I needed to uh, for boxing and it kind of took a backseat uh, you know I, I was still training I just uh I just couldn't make all the competitions I need uh, I ended up being 41 to 0 on an on an amateur scale but I probably had I would say. If I had to give an estimate guess on boxing matches, I'd say thirty five hundred boxing matches. Wow. Yeah, since I was eight, though, you know what I mean. So it's a yeah. lot, you know what I mean. So yeah, it's a lot of ring time. You know, uh, I was born for the ring. You know, and when wrestling, when professional wrestling come into the mix, you know, and I got the opportunity to uh, to find a proper trainer and things like that. I, you know, I had multiple people coming to me at different time frames, and it's just weird how it all added up because. uh, because even though I, I loved professional wrestling I', I never thought like man I should, maybe I should be this down the road in life or anything like that it just happened to present itself to me and and I jumped on the wagon and, and rode with it you know I thought it was a cool opportunity I, and I went and watched a, a show I'd never been to a wrestling show at that point in time and went and watched and I was like man I can do this like you know so I, I signed up that night and, uh, showed up uh, the next week and had four training sessions didn't know I, I didn't know much about pro wrestling. Like, I didn't – I knew, like, the basic names of moves and stuff, but not, like – I didn't know the ins and outs of the sport. And, man, I got my butt handed to me, like, right off the bat. You know, wrestling – wrestling, I, you know, like everybody says, you know, wrestling's fake. And, man, that first time locking up and getting punched in the face without gloves on, it you know, it was a, it was a little different story than getting <laughs> thrown over the top rope and not knowing – how to protect yourself and how to grab on correctly and things like that. Cause I was I only had four days of training. I, I didn't even know how to lock up professionally, you know, and who had an amateur lockup. I didn't know how to professionally lock up. So everything from the get go of being in there with the actual pro wrestler and just manhandling me and, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, how that goes, you lose your first one for sure. And, and that was a, was a major loss, you know, but it, but it, it spiked my whole, um, made me want it more, it made me want to learn, you know, the right, the right, and wrong ways of everything, it made me it. So uh, when I got downstairs, uh, ended up being Tracy Smothers that I was wrestling and him yelling at me. And from across the room, you know, like, uh, like I'm mad. I mean, just mad that I was even in the locker room, even allowed in the locker room. And then when I, I just happened to tell him, I, you know, I'd only been doing this four days and, you know, his whole demeanor changed on me, you know, he, Kind of felt bad, you know, that uh, he took royalties with me and things like that. So uh, he asked me that night before I left, you know, if I wanted to jump in the car with him. I thought we were just going to go down the road, you know. Uh, I was going to get another wrestling show the next day. And I didn't come home for eight months. Wow. He kind of kidnapped me, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, so eight months with one change of clothes and being stuck in the car with Tracy Smothers, you know. Like, it's uh, it was a dream come true without, you know, without even knowing it. I just thought I was going down the road the next day. you know, I didn't come home. So that was uh that was there was no turning back after that. You do eight months on the road, Tracy. You're you're a pro wrestler. Like you ain't going
0: nowhere. You know. So here we are, uh, 26 years later. I'm still doing it. Now this was uh, I want to say this was like the late 90s, right? We're talking. Yeah, like- yeah. This is 90s. Yep. Yeah. So you're just coming. You know, coming off of all these years of boxing and amateur wrestling and things. That how do you think those experiences, the boxing and the amateur wrestling, kind of helped you? I know you you just talked about how you were four days before you got thrown yeah. in there with Tracy Smothers but well, how did those uh athletic experiences help you uh in professional wrestling man every every sport i ever played combines in wrestling at all you can you can relate each and every
1: one of those sports to wrestling it's it's weird how wrestling comes from everywhere you know um and amateur wrestling is not quite like that. Amateur wrestling is just amateur wrestling, but football, track, you know, uh, boxing, uh, amateur wrestling, you stack that all together and you get a pro wrestler. It's, it's sure. the weirdest thing ever. I can't explain it unless you just unless you're a, unless you went through the training, you you would understand. But uh it it helped me with my feeding, helped me with my balance, um, being a ring general, knowing where I'm at, at the ring at all times, you know, uh, because because you get dazed a lot just just hitting the mat itself. You know, you can hit wrong at any time, get the air knocked out of you. And you're always having to protect yourself and protect other people, you know. So having the air knocked out of you is an easy way to hurt anybody in the ring. Um, and this, this is, uh, you know, knowing how to protect yourself. And knowing that you're not dying when you're getting the air knocked out of you is one big thing about wrestling, you know, because you fall down so much, you get whiplash, you get concussions, things like that. And in boxing, that's exactly you get all that. You're always having a, a ring in one of your ears, and you gotta you gotta get up and keep going, you know. Like uh, you don't want to be that that you know guy with the glass jaw on the ground. You know what I mean? You're you're in front of friends, family, you know, fans. And you want to entertain, and that's you know it's boxing. It just and it trans- transitions over into wrestling so well because you're do- trying to do the exact same thing in wrestling. You just uh, you're doing it for a lot longer of a period of time
0: than three minute rounds. You know. Mm-hmm. So you're so you're saying you started. You kind of broke in in 1998. You went on this eight month uh, road trip with Tracy Smothers. Now your cage match profile if people were to go and, and look you up there, it doesn't really pick up until 2002. Yeah. So I'm like, so I'm interested to hear about some of that, that that's a four year span there. And we know with eight months of it, you were on the road with Tracy's mother, but tell us about those like early formative years. Yeah. In the business. Um
1: Can you hear me? Okay. Oh yeah. It's, kind of, it's staticky on my end. Okay. So, uh so the, the cage matches like uh whenever I was coming in in 98, ECW was like a huge thing, you know, on TV, and and uh, Paul Lee was doing huge things with it, and, and every all the independent uh, promotions were kind of following a little bit. So a lot of things were hardcore, like a lot of promotions were doing two and three hardcore matches a night, if not more. I mean, some some shows were complete hardcore matches and so a lot of these shows coming in me being the new the new guy on the show a lot of these veterans didn't want to do cage matches they didn't want to do ladder matches and things like that so i was always that guinea pig getting thrown into these cage matches and things like that so there's older vhs's out there i mean i've i've done hundreds of cage matches just you got to see the televised versions of them um so so i was uh you know for Impact Wrestling, I was in the first six uh, six-sided steel cage match in existence at that point in time. And when we got to the fairgrounds, I'd never been. It, I I just recently been in a six-sided ring, well, a steel cage. So when we got to the when we got to the arena that uh that day, they were still building the cage, so we never got to see it get put up. And the ceiling had a dip in it, so it was lower on one side than on the other. And I'd already come up with this plan that since this is the first one ever, I'm going to do a shooting star off the top of it, you know, watch me, my claim to fame, you know, blah, 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 you know, and we get out there and in the, in the cage is shimian and everything in everything in my head was like, just don't, because if you fall backwards, you're done. It's a concrete floor, you know, there was no padding around it. So as I was climbing up, it's uh, shimian and once I get up there, I hit something, which I thought was the ceiling. So I I look up immediately and this great big circular thing pulling back from my face. And it looks like to me, because I got so much blood in my face, it looks like a flying saucer up in the air. And I was like, what is a UFO doing in here? You know, like <laughs> you got so many weird things going through your head at that point in time. And I'm just like, man, I, I couldn't even tell what it was. It was a boom box. It was a weird boom box that they had that they had rented, you know, for a camera to go over the top of the cage. And I and I just ran smack dab and dab into it with my head. So as I look up, you know, I everything in me was like, "Don't do the shooting star." So I just did a saw off the top instead of doing the shooting star on that one, which you know they play it over and over again, and it's it's still a, a you know priceless moment, you know. And then a few years later, we do uh, we do the first lockdown pay per view, and then I was like, they they had reinforced the steel cage at that point, in time, so I knew I could climb up and actually. Get my balance and turn around without you know a big percentage of me maybe falling off back backwards you know what i'm saying plus they had padding out there at that point in time they they really spiced it up a lot in those couple years so i was a lot safer if something bad was to go wrong so so on on that pay-per-view i don't i can't remember what year that was maybe 05 um i did the uh, shooting star then
0: so so you, I, you're you so we're talking about impact and, and tna and stuff um, and I think that that impact and, you know, TNA kind of kicked off around 2002. Um, and you, you worked pretty regularly that from them, from that inception, basically through through 2007, I think. And then you've had some returns since then, but tell us how, about the, how the opportunity came about for you to work at TNA in those like really early years. Man,
1: the, the whole way through TNA was amazing. Like, uh, because... I was surrounded by encyclopedias. I mean, everybody on the roster had years and years of experience. And there's just a few y- young guys like that that was on the shows. So we were learning all of us. We're learning from everybody all day long, you know, from 1 p.m. till 11 o'clock at night. There's somebody helping you do something, and and whether it be promos or or workouts or what to eat or you know, being a ring general and like what what to, to do and not to do i was there's always somebody helping you and you know you get years and years of that and you you can't help to, but to become good i mean there's nothing you, i mean you it's coming you're going to get you know um so it, it was great and and the people i got to work with uh being in the ring with with a lot of those top talents uh, just does nothing but you know uh send you above par you, you can you just get better and better you know and then being the managers that they that they helped um, helped help me gain on TV, you know, being being with Chris Candido and Jimmy Hart and uh, Shane Douglas, you know, uh, three top top uh, you know professionals in the world. Even today, you know, and, and they were by our side, you know, and and running storylines with them and hearing their input on you know how to make us better and how to get the team, you know, here and there. I you learn a lot of behind the scenes and. Uh, a lot of politicking and things like that. And how to, how to sit in a, actually sit in a meeting and, and, and figure your career out, you know, uh, yeah. and it's, it's all just how it's not just in, in that aspect. That's, it's not, uh, it's not just athleticism and things like that. You gotta, you gotta be a businessman you gotta know how to, how to wheel and deal. And that was, that was the whole reason for having people like that in our corner, you know, and they, they really was at all times going to bat with us, you yeah. know, um, the Chris Candido, uh, situation. It was a really bad situation with uh Tim breaking his leg, and then um, we went out. That was, that was a Sunday pay per view. Monday we had a uh, emergency surgery on his on his leg, on his ankle, and then uh, Tuesday we did a TV taping back to back, and we ended up winning the world tag titles that night of him getting in the ring and flipping the pile, and. We couldn't get the wheelchair up the back of the ramp. He was in a wheelchair. We couldn't get it up the back of the ramp, you know. Uh, so they ended up finding some crutches at Universal Studios because that's where we was doing the taping at. So we ended up going going down the ramp with, with him and crutches. And, you know, uh, I can't imagine the pain he was in at that time and all the heat. Unreal. You wouldn't know known because Chris was just a happy, you know, go-getter. Like, I, you know, anything they asked him to do, he was ready to do it. Like, there was never, like – uh, flinch, of uh, I don't know, you know. He never had a bad attitude. Anytime you seen him, it was a smile on his face. He was he was lively and enter- energized and things like that. So that uh that that re- rubbed off on on me and my tag partner Andy Douglas at the time, you know, and made us like, you know, like you know, gave us like I don't know, it just it just that energy feeds and it just made us so much better in the ring out of the ring he wasn't like uh Chris never tried to change us as as characters and never tried to change the tag team he just tried to intervene and, and make us way better bigger stars than what we already was at the time and he, he accomplished every bit of that in that short period of time he got to be with us you know that it just
0: shows how amazing it was it, you know it's it's it strikes me that in in 2001 basically WWE buys up ECW buys up WCW, so the market has to be, you know, talking from a business perspective. The market for wrestlers has to be extraordinarily crowded, and this is the time where you're coming up and you're trying to make it. TNA launches in 2002, and you're you're one of the guys that that are yeah. on that roster. Yeah, what do you think it was about you that stood out to the decision makers and was like, let's let's bring Chases in? Well, the the good the what the one thing is is I was, I was in the right place at the right time. I, I, ended up being in
1: Nashville. I had moved here with Tracy, uh, from Indiana. I moved to Nashville with, with Tracy Smothers. And then I just happened to be to hear about this, um, how they were looking for talent and they were going to be at the Nashville fairgrounds on a certain date. So I made sure to get on that show. And they did that. And Jeff Jarrett and his dad, Jerry Jarrett, happened to be there way before TNA started. It was a couple months before it even started. And, mm-hmm. Uh, me and my first tag team partner, Cassidy Riley, as the hot shots, we happened to be be there and on the show. And we wrestled that night and uh was offered a contract. Um, it was uh me and Cassidy got signed, AJ Styles was on the show, he got signed, David Young got signed, uh Wildcat Chris Harris and James Storm got signed. And we all, you know, just at different time frames, they would they would come to us with with uh that Negotiating a contract with us without a contract in hand, and then we had to wait for the lawyers to, to write up the contracts that they, you know, was asking us if we was okay with signing and how we want to do things. And I'd never been under contract at that point in time, so it was a it was a big step for well, I mean, I guess quite a few of us at the, at that yeah. time, and. And then, then it was the waiting game, because then it was, uh, when's it going to start? You know, we signed a contract, and it's three, four months down the line, but we're young kids, like, hungry, and we're going, man, did we screw up? Did we, you know, should we not assign that? Like, now we're stuck at home, and, you know, uh, I mean, we can still go out and do indies, and, and we could still work, work. We just couldn't do any TV stuff at the time, because we just signed for another television company. So when it started, it was like, man, we was – we was itching for it for months, so you know it's balls to the wall those first few pay per views that, that come in, you know. And and you're right, there the the WWE deal was was huge, and that roster was huge, and it was letting people go. They didn't know what to do with so many with, with all that talent that they had, and a lot of them was was floating over to uh, TNA at the time. So the first two pay per views we did, they did a live pay per view and and a taping. And I and I, I was there. Uh, I was asked to come down because I was under contract, but I didn't I didn't make either one of those shows because of, you know, our, our locker room was crowded too at that point in time, and they were trying to fit, uh, you know, being their first show, they wanted the, the bigger names on it that was going to
0: draw those paper eyes and things like that. So I ended up having to take a seat on that drive, you know. Mm-hmm. So TNA in that in that time that you were there, um, in those are those early days, it it was like constantly changing, you know, weekly pay-per-views to television, uh, regime changes. So much, so much stuff happens in like, in a very short period of time with that company. Talk about the, the learning curve that you oh, had yeah. to go through. And, the, and then I guess, you know, the, the follow-on question that is like, you know, how has that prepared you for your career since that time? Yeah, well, because now you now you can, you can deal with anything because,
1: because yeah. from one, one week to the next, like, everything changes sometimes and it was it was because of the people running the show like you still had the same owners but different people with different ideas would would come in you know uh, um, Vince Russo to Eric Bischoff to Dusty Rhodes and then back to Vince Russo and then Jerry Jarrett and then Jeff just trying to run it himself and then bringing bringing in you know Dusty back in and everything is flip-flopping all the time and and different guys were coming in like you know people that that they were close close with and they had knowledge of that they would bring in and, and for the shows and then whenever they're gone those people leave and other people come in and we're the set group of people that uh got to stay in so so a lot of things will change and you just sometimes you didn't know who to talk to about the situation you just you just keep your mouth shut and do what's written on the paper and you know you know like we're lost puppy dogs every once in a while you know going going out you know, just know we don't know where the storyline's going from week to week, and I think that's a downfall of the company at that point in time, but you know they they're were, they were trying to they were trying to get something good going and it just it's just the way the the ball bounces sometimes you know uh, and, and that's where the politics are and and when people talk about wrestling politics, it's it right there you gotta you gotta know who's who and where where it's going, and I wasn't a good politician, you know and that's where I needed, you know, the Candido, the you know, the Shane Douglas, Jimmy Hart. I needed people like that at that point in time. And it was a, it was a good, it was a great learning experience. It was a good ones It was an amazing learning experience because, it, you know, they they could throw anything against the wall and we could pull something out of it, you know. And I felt that, you know, the fact that they had confidence in us and and, and, it, and they wouldn't let us go. They was they was re-signing us to new contracts and putting us on TV and not just sitting us at home. Uh, which they couldn't have very well done at any point in time. We we were always, we wasn't the top dogs, but we wasn't, you know, we we were always thought of to be put on the show, you know, and even when they they were lost and didn't know what they were doing either from, you know, from one day to the next, uh, you know, we were still part of that group where they knew that they could put us out there and we could perform and keep viewers coming back in, you know, and that's a a big pat on the back and, and, you know, the way I see things. So I was was, was very humbled to be there.
0: Yeah, to me, you know, know, everything we've talked about, you know, from your athletic, you know, career, you know, growing up um, as, you know, boxing and other sports, and then all this time in TNA where you've dealt with all this, you know, things happening, changing constantly all the time, have given you like such a unique experience that I think that's probably one of the biggest, you know, that's one of your, strengths and why you're such a great asset as the CCW international champion, right? Like you bring all that experience and all that stuff into the locker room every time there's a show. Uh, yeah. So, so talk, talk about that. What's it like being this veteran that's had all this experience uh, when you're working with what well, you got, well, what you said earlier, some of these younger guys. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that there's not very many veterans working anymore. Right? it's very hard to, you know, you really got to
1: look and find them where whenever I was coming in there's 19 of them in the locker room and I'm the only kid in the locker room. Now there's one veteran and there's 19 kids in the locker room. So they're not getting that, that, uh, that learning that they need. The ring time, they, they can get the ring time all they want, but if they don't know what to work on, they just, you can't, you can't go up those tiers that you need to go up. And I just have to be in the right place at the right time, the right years that all that was coming in and, I, I didn't, I didn't know it was on fate. I didn't, they knew all the veterans knew how things were going to go. I didn't. And, and I, but I did, I did balls to the wall. I mean, I learned the, the best I could. And now fast forward all these years, you know, it, 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 me being in there, you know, I got the, the promo skills, I got the athletic ability. Uh, the professional gear the, the you know everything like i'm, I'm tan insane like hungry still hungry you know after yeah. all these years i'm still excited i love wrestling like i love my job and like that that's that i'm not bitter like like you know a lot of people my age right now you know um i'm still like humble and ready to ready to go i don't want to be behind the scenes right you know trying to run my own promotion i want to be out there in front of the fans eyes i, I want to be helping these young kids get better and, and just because I beat them doesn't mean that they're not good. It just means they they got a little bit more time to go. You know, at least at least they stepped up. At least they were there. You know what I mean? And that's how I look at it in that competition. And it, and if God forbid one of them does does put me to the mat for a three count, I, that just means I just got to work a little bit harder and come right back because I I'm not going home. I mean, I've been doing this way too long to go sit at home. You know, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to hit the road seven days a week. And, you know, I'm, I still got that, that kid hunger
0: inside of me. You know what I mean? Sure. What do you, and what do you, so what do you tell, when, is, when a younger guy in the locker room comes up and, you know, asks you for advice, what, what's the biggest piece of advice that you always give them? Man, <laughs> usually I'm a smart ass. I tell them to quit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, no, i mean, I'm always, I'm just joking with them. Um, no, I tell them like because they can't get that ring time that they're looking for today. I mean, they can get in the ring as much as they want, but they they there's seminars out there now. And there, it wasn't like that whenever I was coming in because I was learning from so many different people at one time that that uh, I was like uh, I was it, there was a seminar there's there's 19 seminars a day, you know, in in these locker rooms, and I was wrestling seven days a week at that point in time. So they don't get that anymore. They they get a Friday and Saturday for sure and. That you know, every once in a while they get a Sunday or a Thursday, but they're not sure. getting that ring time they need. So they need those seminars. They need those people that have been on TV and know what to do, you know, know knows how, how everything works to get to the top. Those people are who you need to learn off of. Uh, and those are the seminars you need to go to. Um, so that's what I tell them. I'm like, I'm like, you know, anybody that's been on TV, that's been, got let go or how whatever's happened in their life. So where they're, they're still on the road and they're and they're making a living doing these seminars, they're trying to teach you how to get to their spot they're, they're, that they're that's that's what they're trying to do is be teachers, you need to take advantage of that and, and whatever you got to do to get to that state to get to that town to to fork up that money if you guys, you got to sell your, you know, your girlfriend or whatever on the way there. I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, but you know what I mean like uh usually these people aren't char- charging an arm in the leg they're really trying to help these young kids out and they're they're doing it for you know pennies on the dollar for the knowledge sure. that they have and, and it, like I said though there's a lot of there's a lot of seminars out there and there's a lot of people that still haven't made that made that jump yet to TV and those aren't the seminars I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that's on TV that are out there that's still hustling right now and there's there's trying to help out these young talents and there's so much uh young talent out there it's it's a you know 20 2022 it's a it's a huge year for athletic young athletic acrobatic talent they're everywhere right now and they're all good I mean there ain't any I I, I see a new move like and I've done everything like I have done every move in the book quite a few times I've made the video games and everything else. I've done all the motion caption, and creative finishers, and all this other stuff. And then I see stuff today, like in the last couple of years, that I'm like, I didn't even know it's possible for your body to do some of this stuff. You know, <laughs> so there's some there's some truly athletic people out there that uh, they just they just need a little stepping stone, and maybe that maybe that seminar is all they need to to for those light bulbs because they got the talent. They just need those light bulbs. They need that that help and some of the things is who you know and to get to get those steps up too you know and and going that seminar that that guy is gonna he's gonna remember you because your athletic ability your look if you got quite a few of the the you know the pieces uh, the yeah the pieces to the puzzle if you got quite a few of them put together and you just need these few little things that guy's gonna remember you that he's gonna you're gonna stand out to me he's gonna help you the best he can possibly help you and I feel like that's the whole reason I'm sitting here talking to you right now is because I had so many people at one point in time seeing that I had these pieces and they just kept adding more and more pieces. till I finally, you know, got to, to where I'm at today.
0: Absolutely. All right. I want to ask you about bad company. It's your, it's your ring entrant, the song you come out to uh, from the bad from the band, bad company on the bad company album. It's, a good but song. it's, it's
1: from five finger death punch. Okay. So, you're right. So you're right. Bad Company did do a song, Bad Company. And I come out to the remake, the okay. 5 Death Punch version. So so Ivan, the lead singer, is a huge wrestling fan. And so is, so is Chris Kale, And they got together uh, through, like, I don't want to say through wrestling, but but they're both big wrestling fans going to wrestling shows. And they connect. Uh, when Ivan lost a, a bass singer, they all got together. I, I would go and watch them whenever I was in the area when they were with different bands and then when they come together, I was like, man, that's my band right there. So, you know, I got, you know, I went out with them a few times, like uh, went on the town, had some fun, tell all kinds of stories and stuff like that. And I I was like, man, I gotta, That when they first come out with that song, I was like, that's mine. Like I'm, I'm totally taking that. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's my whole, my whole deal. Like, you know, that, that song was created for me. That's what I think, you know, all these stories I told them back in the day, I think it all went into one right there. So I didn't say that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, I you may have a- answered this already. Cause we we've, we've talked about so much about, you know, your experience and stuff like that, but you've been wrestling for many years at this point. What has been the secret to your longevity? Because that's another, that's another piece that I think that the, probably the people that you're talking to the, when you talk about the seminars and stuff, they probably need to hear that too. And I- Stretching, like I, I you know,
1: Tracy Smothers was always on me about stretching, and I, I was a kid and I was flexible, and I always just thought he was talking out his ass, and I, I, I hated stretching. Like I just, I just wanted to go do everything. Like I, I want to wrestle, I want to lift weights. I didn't want, I didn't stretch. And then as I got older, I started stretching a little more. I started, well, I started watching the other veterans do it too, and they all smelled like Ben Gay in the locker room, and you know. Yeah then I see hot come along and I and I and I don't use any of this stuff I I never have um I, it's just uh I've I've always been well maintained on on fitness or whatever things like that um and I and I really don't eat as good as what I should because I'm on the road a lot and it's just hard to eat well and I don't pre-make my meals and things like that so uh you know, me me and my partner we used to revolve around Arby's because it's not a <laughs> It's not fried food. It's but it's it's like baked at least. So anytime we could get a you know any exit that we could take that had an Arby's on it, we was eating that instead of McDonald's, you know, and things like that. But uh, I don't know if that's that. Maybe I could get a commercial off of it for that. But <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean the longevity part. Like I, I really can't tell you. Like I've I've been very fortunate. Um, stubbornness is a big thing because you're gonna you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get bruises, and you just gotta go. You just gotta go out there. Once that adrenaline kicks in, it's just getting to the ring. That's that's what hurts.
0: Once you get in there, once that once once that crowd starts coming, you your adrenaline kicks in. Well, I think Chase got that answer out pretty much, but we did have a little bit of technical difficulty there. I only had one more question for Chase, and I managed to get him back for that question. And we're gonna get there right after we talk about alive wrestling.
1: Attention wrestling fans, the place to be each and every Tuesday is on the Coastal Championship Wrestling YouTube channel, where a new episode of CCW, a live wrestling, drops at 7 p.m. Witness the hard-hitting, high-flying action that is synonymous
0: with the longest-running independent wrestling promotion in the Southeastern United States. Subscribe today, and don't you dare miss it. We have Chase back for uh, for the final question. Chase, I want to know. I want you to send a message to the CCW locker room. All the people that are that are are gunning for you. You've got a target on your back. You got the international championship. What's your message to those people? Man, my message is
1: this: ten pounds of gold. It looks good around my waist. I don't feel like I'm handing it over to anybody. So if you want it, you sign on the dotted line. And I'll give you one shot, one shot at it. And that's all you're going to get. So you better be well-trained. You better be well-prepared
0: when you get in the ring with me. And nobody better try to break into his house and take it because he has. No, that, that's definitely That ain't happening. That's a bad idea. All right, Chase, thank you so yeah. much for uh, spending the time with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, and good luck down the road defending that international championship. Uh, we'll see you real soon on a live wrestling Tuesdays at 7 p.m. I'm sure you're in a, a, your match with Damian Wayne will go up fairly soon. So, oh, yeah, so. I
1: better go up. There we go. I, I, you know, I beat the crap out of that guy. I want to make sure everybody gets to see it.
0: <laughs> Very good. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. See ya. Well, that's our show. Chase Stevens was a great guest, but I feel bad for anybody that tries to take the title or break into his house. On next week's show, we're going to have the Chilean superstar, Ariel Levy, who in addition to being one half of the dominant CCW Tag Team Champions, is also a legit movie star. Drop us a comment on who else you would like to see on the show, and follow us on social media. I'm Minutes to Bell Time on Facebook and Instagram, and Min's to Bell Time on Twitter. Be sure to watch a live wrestling every Tuesday on the CCW YouTube channel, and follow Coastal Championship Wrestling on Facebook and Twitter. We'll see you next week. You have been watching CCW Insider, produced by Minutes to Bell Time in association with Coastal Championship Wrestling.